to do? Making a video. Making a video. Welcome to the 33rd episode of Rank and Review with our returning guest, the always awesome Karen Giese, our Rank and Review champion. This episode, we're going to find out what happens when animals attack. This is, as always, your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons. And as usual, I'm going to remind everyone that there may be some naughty language and there will definitely be spoilers for the movies discussed. If you would like to send feedback to Rankin Review, I would welcome you to do so. Please write me at rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. You can also seek us out on iTunes, leave a positive review to help out the show. Thank you so much for listening to the 33rd episode of Rankin Review. Still the reigning champion. I 33 know. <laughs> episodes later, what is going on? I have listened to all of them, and oh. I keep on, keep on hoping, kind of, that someone will win, but no one ever does. No one's winning. No one's winning. I, I know. Like, am, are my tastes that random? Do you think, or is it just hard to get six things to line up? I wonder. Subjective. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you're back again, and I'm yeah. thrilled, and we're talking about when animals attack. <laughs> we talked about in the past that you uh not really great with people on people violence yeah yeah really bad with people on animal violence yes but completely okay with animal on people violence. who isn't really <laughs> seriously you just support the underdog i do <laughs> um oftentimes they're not the underdog though oftentimes humans are screwed it's true. It's true. Did you uh, hear we... about that guy that got attacked and killed by a beaver? A beaver? <laughs> yes. He was killed by a beaver. Yes. Bit I him in the back that. of the leg and carotid artery and Let him done. Out. Don't fuck with a beaver, apparently. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I found that amusing. That's amazing. Um, yep. For me, the, what I like about them, or at least the typically, is when they treat the animal fairly, fairly, if that makes sense. Yeah. If uh, I prefer it as people have entered their domain and uh, the animals are just doing what they're doing as exactly. opposed to treating the animal like it's a monster. Yes. Uh, because there's monster movies for that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and in a way I can feel a little bit of pathos sometimes for the animal that's involved too. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to totally call myself out on being a hypocrite because I'm a huge fan of Jaws and I think the shark in Jaws is still very much a monster. <laughs> okay. But, um, you know... You could also interpret it, it's an animal. Animals yeah. need to eat, it found a food source, and it was eating. It's it wasn't true. personal, you know, until yeah. Jaws 4. Because <laughs> that time until. it was personal. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, but, uh, nicely done. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, the wildlife yeah. will get to you. We talked about this with bugs, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Spiders will... will a tiny little benign spider will end your life with a little pinch. Exactly. <laughs> If uh, threatened. If threatened. Yeah, and that's just the thing. You said it. Like, these animals, they are wild animals. Yeah. People are generally stupid. Yeah. Treat them with the respect that they deserve. Like, that's exactly what you said. They're going on instinct. They hunt, they kill, they survive. 
done. Yeah. You know. And I think for the most part, that's attempted in all but two of the movies that we're going to discuss here. Okay. I think the exceptions are, well, then we can talk about the titles, but the mm-hmm. two exceptions as far as the animals being treated fairly realistically, I think would be Snakes on a Plane and The Birds. Uh, okay. The Birds is based off of a novel, which I actually would be curious to read. I have not, not read it, but no. yeah, uh, that one day inexplicably, the birds decide they don't like us <laughs> and they attack. That actually did happen to a friend of mine who got, who was walking home from school one day and got chased and dive bombed by a murder of crows, mm-hmm. like all the way home. Yeah. And she was booking it and she was so upset and I thought it was super funny. <laughs> Not very uh, compassionate, I've had uh, I guess. either a crow or some sort of black voice swoop down and, and it, I swear it was trying to take a peck at the top of my head for some reason, yeah. but uh, creepy, my creepy murder of crows story, uh, first, first few months we had this house. Um, I was coming back from work really early in the morning, mm-hmm. came in through the back gate underneath the trees and past the garage just coming home and I got almost all the way to the end of the garage and made my turn and I stopped and I turned around and all along the eaves of my garage and all over the trees which I just passed under were crows creepy and they were just (laughs) sitting there staring at me and I just shuddered it was just like (laughs) (laughs) that ain't cool Uh, uh, other strange animal story since we're sharing since we're sharing Last summer, <laughs> I found, on three different occasions, a dead squirrel in my yard. I have never seen a squirrel in this neighborhood. Okay. Ever. But last summer, three dead ones in my, in my yard. Badness does come in threes. I guess. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I think maybe the crows did it. I have no idea. Okay. They're sending some kind of message. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> The, the movies that we are going to discuss, unless there's something else you want to add about animals eating people. Nope. Just that I like it. <laughs> you do. <laughs> yeah. I regret that one of these isn't, uh, in fact, the ghost in the darkness, so I could have called this episode Lions and Tigers and Bears. Dope! Uh, Missed opportunity. Sad. Next time. Next time. We have a film called Burning Bright about a uh, young woman and her autistic brother who get trapped in a storm sort of shuttered house yeah. with a tiger. Yes. Sucks to be them. <laughs> we have Rogue, about a very large saltwater crocodile who plague a bunch of tourists in Australia. Yep. We have The Edge, written by playwright David Mamet, about uh, a billionaire and uh, a friend, in quotation marks, uh, a couple of friends who yep. end up in a plane crash and have to deal with a tough little grizzly bear. Yes. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock's classic, The Birds. Um, we have a relatively recent uh, film called The Grey, starring 60-year-old action star <laughs> Liam Neeson, <laughs> yeah. uh, about another cr- plane crash in uh, mm-hmm. the Canadian North, I have to assume, <laughs> where yeah, uh, assume. a bunch of uh, oil workers are plagued by a pack of wolves. And last, and arguably not least, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, we have <clears throat> the modern classic. Yes. Snakes on a plane. The modern cult hit. Yes. So we're all over the place here. Yeah, yeah. Quite. Uh, and I look forward to hearing what you have to say. Starting it's an safari ranch. I need a scary animal. That's what the tourists pay to see. This cat. He's not scary. He's evil. <laughs> Thank you.
Gulf Coast all morning, so now in effect for all of the Gulf Coast. We're looking at a strong Category 3, so board up those windows. The emergency shelter being set up in King County. In the middle of the night, an evil was brought to this house. All right, uh, Burning Bright. Yes. Um, this movie is directed by a Carlos Brooks, and it's written by Christine Coyle Johnson and Julie Prenevoil Roche. Uh, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, as we discussed in the introduction, it has to do with a young woman who uh, is left to care for her uh, younger autistic brother. Her Basically. mother, we found out, has yeah. recently passed away, yeah. and her stepfather, we find out, is a huge bastard. Big, giant douche. <laughs> he has used <laughs> the money that was left for her to buy a tiger so he can start this safari theme park yeah. in Florida. Technically, I think, left for her for her brother. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the problems I have with the movie is how completely one-dimensionally, stupidly, blankly evil the stepfather character is. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, uh, unbelievably so. Sure. But happily, he only really has to do with the very beginning and very end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, basically, once this woman and her brother get locked in this uh, mansion, which has been shuttered and boarded because of an oncoming storm, um, they come to realize they've been trapped inside. Every single exit with a tiger. is boarded. Yeah. 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 And uh, she has real issues communicating with her brother, and he does not like to be touched, which adds further complications and mm -hmm. another layer uh, yeah. to it. So that's the basic premise. There's a storm outside, there's a tiger inside, desperate to get out, yeah. desperate to protect this child. Kind why, of. Did, why is the tiger there? What are we going to do? Yeah. That is the premise of Burning Bright. Yeah. What do you think? Um, all in all, like you said, I thought it was very... I thought the whole movie was kind of one-dimensional, kind of lame. Oh, yeah? Um, I did um, thank Ye Her for uh, second-guessing her second thought right. <laughs> of uh, ditching the brother inside the house when she finally does get out. Uh, but yet then she had a crisis of conscience and went back in to save the brother. Um... I just don't know how plausible all of this, like the movie would be in general. That was my, my issue with it. Being science girl, I, I like uh, plausibility and I like stories based on fact, especially when it comes to other species like insects or animals. Right. Yeah. Well, the introductory scene that we have between Garrett Del Hunt, who I think is actually a really good actor and deserved a better part than this, and Meatloaf. <laughs> Meatloaf! <laughs> yes, uh, who sells him this tiger who was being sold from the circus because the circus doesn't want it. Yeah. Because it jumped its cage and killed a horse in front of an audience. <laughs> yes. That's frowned upon in the circus. It is. <laughs> so um, we know that the tiger has been, lived a bad life and that it's got a bit of a chip on its shoulder. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I still kind of on the tiger's side a little bit because I can imagine, you know, being a, a large cat stuck in a tiny cage. Yeah. You get your opportunity, you take it type of thing. Yeah, and I mean, I would imagine that the stepfather, being who he is, didn't really feed it all that much before he let it go inside the house. Well, that's where I take the issue. Because I think, in a way, the movie is trying to make it like a reveal that he let the tiger in the, in the house. Mm -hmm. But as the plot points have developed through this movie, who else would have done it? Exactly. Like, some unknown third party decided to let the tiger into the house and board it in there? Yeah. 
He didn't want to deal with her. If she wanted to get litigious about what he'd done with the money, she'd likely yeah. win. He didn't want to deal with the autistic little boy, so he put the tiger in the house to kill them. Fine. Yeah. Don't hide that. Just let that, you know, let him be that guy. Yeah. Um, that way, when the reveal came later that he had done it, and more than that, he had been responsible for her mother's death because yeah. he's not just a little bit evil. He's mustache twirling <laughs> like evil. Uh, it wouldn't have fallen as flat. Yeah. But what I do think does work, and probably more than you do from what I've heard, is mm. once we're in the house, locked mm -hmm. in with the tiger, yeah. and this girl trying to figure out what the hell she's going to do. Yeah. Um, and the cont continual problem of her brother, uh, for no fault of his own, but he's yeah. constantly doing the wrong things. Yes. And when she tells him to be quiet, he's not amenable to listen to her, because <laughs> that's just not no. how he yeah. works. And he's putting himself and her in more and more danger. But for me, yes. I never really thought she was going to abandon her brother. She thought that she was. She, she thought, thought she was. was in her. But I never really thought it was. She actually has a dream at one point in which she smothers her brother. Over and over by the... It was implied to me anyway. Yeah. That it was a recurring wish fulfillment like because she will thing. like they establish she tries to reach out to him and he will slap her in the face yeah. you know like uh yes. and uh she is sacrificing her her future basically to see basically. that he is taken care of yeah. and she's never going to get reciprocation for this no um she does at the end though she does at the end but yeah. at the time she's making these decisions she doesn't know that yeah. right and in a way that thing at the end as nice a moment as it was is a movie moment mm-hmm which would probably never happen in real life. Which would probably never happen in real life. Yeah. And that's the struggle that she was she was dealing with, and I connected to. Her trying to outsmart and outthink the tiger, uh, I think, worked really well enough for me. Okay. It also helps that this movie is 86 minutes long. That does help. It's it's quick. It is. If it would have overstayed its welcome, I think I might have had more problems with it. Yeah. Um, but because the... the, the the premise is that simple. Tiger in the house, what are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> um, they don't over overreach with yeah. it. Do you think the tiger would have actually eaten the cell phone that she dropped? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's an interesting moment. She was trying to climb up a uh, laundry chute, mm -hmm. and uh, she was holding herself up yeah. and uh, couldn't hold on to the phone. It dropped to the ground. And that was the thing that sort of alerted the tiger to her presence. Yeah. We'd been established that the tiger hadn't eaten anything for a couple of weeks. And he could smell her. Yeah. She dropped something down there. I just figured he intuitively put it in his mouth and <laughs> broke it. But again, I didn't overthink it. Okay. okay. Uh, um, but I thought it was funny that they kind of made it a bit of a menacing moment, like he almost had done it deliberately. But in my head, he was just a tiger mm -hmm. being a tiger for the most part. Okay. Um, another slight to hit against it. At no point is she in the same room with a tiger at any point when this no. movie is being filmed. And as a person watching the movie, I could tell that. Yeah. There are other movies that we'll see in this where people are actually working in frame with the animals or they'll have stunt doubles or something like that. But with a tiger or something of this size, there was no way to do it safely. And they got some really good green screen shots and they had some shots where they gave the illusions of it. But mm -hmm. I think that that hurt it a little bit. Okay. Um, but for the most part, I mean, it's not a rave review for me. I'm here to say that Burning Bright earns a solid C+. <laughs> That, I don't know, from my standpoint, that might be a little generous. That might be a little generous? A little generous, yep. This was, uh, yeah, we'll discuss the other movies, but this was one of the two that was like, you know, I saw the first five minutes and I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll just get it over with and, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I, I didn't feel disengaged with it. I, I'm... Like I said, I could tell that she was, when the scenes where she was supposed to be really close to the tiger, that she wasn't. And that hurt the suspense a little bit. Yeah. But I was with her. I was trying to think of ways she would get out of there. Uh, I do think if it was me being the benefit of the fact that I'm like six foot four, I would probably be able to shoulder out one of those windows. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you'd have to think adrenaline alone would eventually drive her to get through. I don't know how many nails they put on each one of those boards. Yeah. Uh, or that there would be some kind of implement in the house that she used to either bash the board Anything, out or bash really. the tiger. Yeah. The wild card is the little brother. Yep. And he disappears. He doesn't. She doesn't know where he is or if he's been eaten by the tiger for a large portion of the movie. And a that's, few times. That's a thing. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. uh, I would have been greatly surprised to see this little autistic child get munched by a tiger. Yes. <laughs> like if that had happened in the movie. But um, I wasn't safe enough in the movie to say that it wasn't going to. Mm-hmm. I was 100% sure that our main character was going to get out of this alive. But I was actually getting to a point where I was wondering if her brother would. Mm-hmm. Um Let's move to the end of the movie then. All right. Poetic justice. <laughs> Poetic justice. <laughs> yes. The, uh, uh, yeah, super spoiler. Yeah, spoilers heavy. Here we yeah, go. <laughs> yeah, the uh, stepfather gets munched by the tiger. Yeah, indeed. And yeah. Uh, he comes into the house armed, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, obviously, telling us he, he, he knows what's going on, expecting to find a couple of bodies. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't. And yeah. the confrontation that happens between his stepdaughter, his former stepdaughter, however you call that crazy relationship. Yeah. Uh, again, it's supposed to be a series of reveals, and all of the reveals are things that we already know. Yep. So all I was doing for that scene was waiting for this man to get eaten by a tiger. Pretty much. Which happily... <laughs> <laughs> it did happen. He does. Nice. And it is the one moment of the movie that actually does feel quite brutal. And maybe the one time where I would almost believe that there was an actor with the tiger. Because yeah. uh, when he gets dragged away, not necessarily the initial lunge attack, but when he's on the ground and out of it, and it drags him down the hallway, yeah. uh, that looked brutal. And that looked like, ah, oh, he's going to be eaten alive by a tiger. And that would really be a horrible way to go. That... Oh, Yeah. Getting mauled to death by anything, I think, yeah. would be freaking horrid. Uh, One of the worst ways. It feels almost like this could be an episode of The Twilight Zone or Amazing Stories and okay. sort of like the ABC of it. Yeah. The fact that everything is so set up and knocked down um, and just the, the sort of vibe of the story, how it all ties into a nice little bow the way it never does in real life. You know? Yeah. But uh, that's what makes it sort of a C-plus movie as opposed okay. to like, I was not surprised by the movie at any no, point necessarily, not but even I once. wasn't, I wasn't bored. It sounds like you were bored. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I would say bored, but yeah, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't really resonate with me, but I've seen worse. <laughs> da, 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 right, shall we move on then? <laughs> sure. So one of the rules of my tour is that you have only one chance to complain about the heat and the flies. I'm a travel writer for a magazine. How long are you out here anyway? Oh, just a few days. Alice Springs after this, then home. Where's that? Chicago. Saltwater crocodile. It's probably the most dangerous member of the crocodilian family. So they can swim underwater at up to 20 miles an hour without making a ripple on the surface. And they can burst out to attack with incredible speed. Don't worry, man, we're perfectly safe on this boat. They won't attack anything bigger than they are. How big is this boat? Big enough. This, this is a bloody tidal river. Well, that's how high the tide will be when it comes in. Greg McLean, 
is uh, an Australian filmmaker who made his name doing this horror slasher movie called Wolf Creek, which every oh. horror fan in the world seemed to like, except me. There you go. <laughs> um, so his follow-up, a couple of years later, Rogue comes out, and it's about a giant saltwater crocodile trying to make a meal out of a bunch of tourists in Australia. Didn't necessarily hold a lot of excitement for me, and uh, I gotta say, right out of the gate, I was kind of pleasantly surprised by the movie when okay. I watched it. Um, not only just because I wasn't a big fan of the the first movie that the man done, but uh, the character in Wolf Creek, uh, who uh, does a lot of the awful killing, is played by John Gerat. That man is also in this movie as the nicest old fellow who's just on this tour to spread his wife's ashes, and yes. he's like this most benign, sweet fellow. <laughs> and it was interesting seeing that after seeing him play such an utter, evil, despicable person <laughs> in Wolf Creek. The tone of this movie is much different than Wolf Creek, too. Wolf Creek is sort of probably what we categorize in the torture porn category of film, and that the, okay. the deaths in it uh, that are depicted are horrifying and real and bad. That's probably why I haven't seen it. It's not my cup of tea as yeah. a rule, but, uh, you know, I, I want to explore every corner of the horror genre, and torture porn is one, and animals eating people is another. So okay, done. Basic plot is um, there's about eight or ten tourists on a boat being led by Rada Michelle, uh, seeing some beautiful... Rada Mitchell. Rada Mitchell? Rada Mitchell, thank you. Uh, who in herself is kind of a scream queen. She seems to love the horror genre. She does a lot of scary movies. So yeah, including I, the video game one. Silent Hill. Silent yes, Hill. absolutely. Horrible uh, movie. <laughs> but. but beautiful, but horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's nice to see her actually using her Australian accent. She is... An Australian actress who you never actually get to see using go. her own accent. That's um, and she sort of established herself as cool and charming. I would I would have instantly liked her. Just yeah. like uh, once you're on the boat, you get one chance to complain about the heat and one chance to complain about the bugs, and then you're done. And you know. And uh, I don't know. Like, she seemed like a cool person. And yeah. uh, Michael Varton plays this American tourist and uh, sort of holiday journalist, travel log type of, type of guy. And he is also taken in by her. They're, they're not really flirty, but you can tell that they like each other. Yes. And so the adventure begins. There you go. The movie takes its time. We get to know a lot of its characters. And typical flags of things going wrong on an adventure happens. They go off the beaten trail where they were supposed to be, where everyone knows where they are. They have to go out of their way to respond to a signal fire. And uh, they meet some locals who seem less than friendly. And they are told stories of what these crocodiles are capable of. Mm -hmm. And it's almost 40 minutes into the movie. Before it, Before shit hits the, the mayhem, fan. yeah. And I think that helps the movie a lot. For me, we know these people at least a little bit. All of them we know at mm -hmm. least a little bit before the shit hits the fan. And that helps us engage and sort of feel for them. Either for them like, oh, that sucks, or to be frustrated for the choices they're making. Um, as far as survival scenarios go, I thought that the people behaved fairly realistically. I agree. And uh, I don't encounter that a lot, so yeah. I valued that. But I'm, I'm willing to hear second opinions. <laughs> so what did you think of Rogue? Um, I mean, it did have some good points. Um, I did like the fact, as you said, that they did a little bit of background on all the people like they didn't delve right into the action which most movies do yeah. which is part of my beef with it because it's all action no substance uh this one was a little bit different 
There were like some inconsistencies and inaccuracies regarding the alligator's behavior. Like it wouldn't seek and destroy like it did. Right. It just wouldn't. They are, they generally, you know, it just ate that big huge creature. <laughs> and now it's it's going for for just to kill. I don't believe that they They try to they justify it in that they say they can they can be very territorial. And this sure. was an, uh, a, a, a length of river that they weren't supposed to go in, so it hadn't been traveled a lot. Okay. Somebody went down there that shouldn't have. Their boat got hit. They set off a flare. Our boat sees the flare. They go there. But by the time they get there, the person with the flare we never meet or see, so we have no. to assume they met a bad end. Done. Um, yeah. But they see a boat that has been knocked over and sunk into the water. And mm-hmm. while they're looking at that, their boat is hit in a much similar way, we have to imagine. Yeah. For me, the most unrealistic, quote-unquote, thing about Rogue is just the size of the creature. Oh, yeah. It's probably, like, an, and saltwater crocodiles can be huge. Yes. But this one is huge by that standard, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but I will give that dramatic license to the movie. And okay. the fact that it, you know decides to be that aggressive and territorial is maybe not realistic to the animal, but it's helpful for the movie. <laughs> it is helpful for the movie, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'll give it a pass. I also really like the plot point because when the boat is hit and they have to ditch on this island, they soon realize it's a tidal river. Yep. And that the island that they have landed on is going to disappear. Yes. Yep. as the hours go by. So it puts them on a very real clock. Yep. They can't sit there and wait to be rescued. Not an option. Mm-mm. Yeah. So I like that, that too. <laughs> that, that was a good point. I mean, it's, uh, you got to do something to keep the story going. And that was a really unique way to do it. I think, I don't think I've seen something quite like that before yeah. where, you know, you absolutely have no choice. It's not like you can go into a room, close the door and you're semi safe. It's the, you're, you're either going to die by drowning or wait until the tide comes up, your island disappears, your safety net disappears completely. Yeah. So you have no choice at all but to do something. I mean, sooner or later, you're going to have to get in the water. That yeah. choice has been taken from them. Yeah. Um, and what I really connected to is I put myself in the position and asked myself, if I was there, would I be a friend or foe to this group? Mm-hmm. Some people end up, you know, causing infighting. Yeah. Some people make selfish decisions, and it costs everybody. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, even the John Girard character that I said that we like, he has a little temper tantrum when they get on the island, which is understandable. Sure. <laughs> like, I understand it. But uh, another guy goes to pull him away from the water's edge, and while they're having that little tussle, mm-hmm. he is taken by the crocodile. Yeah. And John Girard didn't intend for that to happen, but it happened. Yes. Because he was having his little moment. And we see that sort of, those sort of innocent mistakes costing real lives happen again and again in the movie. And I I kept on thinking, God, I hope I wouldn't be that guy who insisted on getting on that rope that's already got too much weight on it. Yeah. But he still just had to get on the rope because he had to, you know, he wanted to get across. Uh, That was really a a realistic... Portrayal. Portrayal, absolutely. I think, yeah, some people are just like that. Some people in the face of danger automatic panic and regardless of the outcome will put themselves ahead of everybody else and more often than not cause havoc for everybody else but what was interesting was there wasn't necessarily one cooper character who was just the the all-out asshole it seemed like everybody got to take their turn being the asshole (laughs) at some point um 
Sam Worthington shows up in this movie. This is a yeah. before he was famous role. He sort of plays like an Aussie asshole. And we, when we first meet him, we're not sure if he's a friend or foe. Yeah. Turns out he's a helpful guy to have around because he's super brave and he knows a lot about these crocodiles. Mm-hmm. Doesn't play out, pan out that well for him, but before he exits the film, he manages to spread this rope across the from the island to the uh, side of the bank on the other side of the river yeah and like I say the woman who's lost her husband insists on going first and they let her go first and she gets halfway across and she freezes yeah intensely frustrating more frustrating is that the father now after that who just wants to get his daughter safety yeah upon seeing this woman freeze says fuck it I'm gonna get on that rope and if I have to shake her off the rope to get faster I will because we have to get off this island yeah I understand and yet hate that decision, <laughs> and I, I'd like to think that I wouldn't make that decision, but if I'm on the island with my kids, I want my kids to fuck off that island too, yeah. and the fact that that woman, A, insisted on going first, and B, is now frozen in the middle of the rope, not moving, yeah. would drive me insane, <laughs> right? So I'm not unsympathetic to him either. Uh, the fact that it's not black and white, points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah, that goes again to the character development, which, yeah, again, was appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. I also was surprised, considering the amount of people that we have on the boat, how many people make it through the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. A fair number, and it's not your typical, the heroine and hero win the day. Again, when you get to the third act, we do get, I think, to some more familiar ground. Yeah. Once we once we get the bulk of the survivors to the other end of the bank, we kind of abandon them. All except for Michael Varton, who ends up chasing this dog through the wilderness. We find out it was for all the good because the dog was sniffing out Rod and Michelle. Uh, Rod and Michelle sacrifices herself, essentially. She starts swimming away from the group to lead the crocodile away. Yeah. And it's at that point in the movie, and I'm still liking the movie, that we start to enter movie cliche land. Yeah. The crocodile takes her, but does not kill her. Uh, that's okay, not true. That's... I don't think... Yeah, I'm pretty sure they creature, kill. Yeah. A and creature then... that size would kill the person and then and put it in the cave. It hasn't wounded anyone that we've seen, but no. we like Rhoda Mitchell. Yeah. And, uh, and so she is wounded and taken back to its hole. Okay, yes. gap number one. They also established her. She's the local... She knows the land. She's tough. She's got spirit. She's our sort of protagonist. <laughs> Michael Varton uh, doesn't know this place at all. Yeah. And yet he still has to enter the lair of the dragon, mm-hmm. save the maiden fair, and mm-hmm. slay the dragon. Mm-hmm. I kind of would have almost preferred it if Rod and Michelle had gotten to kill the creature. Me but, too. But um, by that point, I'd liked the movie enough that it was a it was a positive review. And I gotta say, even when he gets into the huge layer of the beast, which is way bigger than uh, I think any crocodile layer would be, there's some <laughs> genuine suspense there. Yeah. Like uh, their dens, I I believe, are generally as long as they are. Yes. And that's pretty much it. That's all I need. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They, they don't need a mansion. They, no. you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it, if as far as something to film in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yep. I get the decision. Sure. Um, but I guess what we're saying is the deeper into the movie we go, the less reality we feel. Yeah. But it starts pretty real. Yeah. Um, and I think if it had sustained that realism all the way through, mm-hmm. it might have been at the very top of the list for me. And that surprises me. Wow. It didn't sustain that reality all the yeah. way through. I'm saying if it had, yeah. it, it, might, it might be at the yeah. top of the list. But uh, that's, that's strong praise for a giant crocodile movie made by it a is. filmmaker I'm not a fan of. There you go. 
Based on the one movie, though. Uh, he's made Wolf Creek 2, I oh. believe, as well. <laughs> I have not seen Wolf Creek 2, so I guess I shouldn't grow up without seeing it. But uh... Yeah, I guess. <laughs> as we all know, the sequels are usually so much better. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Is there anything else you'd like to say about Rogue? I feel like I kind of talked over you. <laughs> uh, no, I just kind of... I mean, it's an okay movie. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to anyone, but if you're... Nah. Would you tell them not to watch it? No, I wouldn't tell them not to watch it. <laughs> so you're kind of indifferent. I'm kind of indifferent. <laughs> that is a really good place to be. But when civilization disappears... Why do we even think they'll come looking for us? Our friend's a billionaire. You know what happens when you misplace one? Why? All they have is each other to rely on. Most people lost in the wilds the guy of shame because they didn't do the one thing which would have saved their lives. Thinking their will to survive and the question why would i want to kill you charles why would i want to do that for my life of where the greatest danger lies so i mentioned uh, in the introduction that uh, i have a love-hate relationship with david mamet um, I do think that he has written some pretty smart plays, and I was in when Gary Glenn Ross uh, in, in university and had a great time playing Moss and getting to scream and say fuck a lot on stage, you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's great. I, I think that his, especially his screenplays, are pretty spotty. Um, in this case, he's sort of taking on the classic adventure story, and he's going for the real, I don't know, the male exploring himself or going through a ritual trial of nature. And some of it, I think, is a little bit heavy-handed. Yeah. But some of it, I think, is pretty awesome. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's tricky. Yeah. Um, it stars the still at the time very hot off of The Silence of the Lambs, uh, yeah. Anthony Hopkins, and the only Baldwin of any value, as I <laughs> call him, uh, Mr. Alec Baldwin, uh, who, uh, by all counts, is a difficult personality, but I will say I have never had a problem with him as an actor. I think that he's a mm -hmm. solid actor. Maybe not someone I'd want to drink a beer with, but I'll watch him in a movie. There you go. <laughs> to each their own opinion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I felt like you had something that you wanted to say on the Baldwin. Uh, uh, yeah. Do you want me to get the plot out first? Or, uh, yes, okay. do. Um, Anthony Hopkins plays a billionaire who has flown to this resort, re remote Alaska location to be with his supermodel wife while yeah. she gets some photos taken. Yeah. And uh, By Alec Baldwin. By Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Bob, the, uh, the photographer. Bob. And uh, you get the feeling like uh, Anthony Hopkins' character is suspicious of not just Bob, but everyone. Mm -hmm. He's one of these billionaires, so everybody wants something from him. And Billionaire uh, with an eidetic memory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember I, I watched this with my wife actually recently, and I said that, that this character sort of feels like the grown-up version of Goodwill Hunting in a way. <laughs> like they say, there's nice. nothing about this character that we can learn that we wouldn't learn in a book. Nope. And he admits in the movie that his flaw is he has no imagination. Mm -hmm. He can remember anything he reads. He's intensely intelligent, but yeah. he doesn't have a lot of inner life. He doesn't have imagination, as he calls it. And uh, he's sort of shaken out of this through this uh, adventure that happens. Mm -hmm. um, 
they go off to from their already remote location to seek out uh, this hunter person to get some cool photographs. They get to where he is and find out he's out hunting, and they decide impromptu to go see if they can find this one dude in this vast wilderness. Yes. Kind of an unlikely scenario, but they're having fun and it's all light. Yep. Until they have a bird strike. A flock of birds hit the airplane, it crashes into a lake, Mm -hmm. and they are in the middle of nowhere, and much like Rogue, they're not anywhere close to where they had said they were going to be. So anybody who was looking for them was going to start looking in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. They're frozen, there's a mixture of snow and rain in the environment, and to further complicate things, a huge, vicious grizzly bear <laughs> starts seeking them out. That's right. Only three people manage to get out of the crash. Yep. Um, the third is a friend of Bob's, played by Harold Perrineau, um, who's in everything. He's in Lost, <laughs> he's in uh, Oz, he's in one of the Matrix movies. He's one of these That's... actors that you just see everywhere. Yeah. And unfortunately... In this movie, he's the black guy who dies first. <laughs> but uh, we get to know him. He's got a full character. He, he's in the movie for like an hour. It's not mm-hmm. one of these tertiary sort of yeah. whatever ro- roles. But it's just kind of unfortunate. <laughs> it's yeah, it once again the, kid, the black character who dies first. <laughs> anyway, they, uh, they don't trust each other, but they're going to have to learn to rely on each other if they're going to survive. And they're going to have to sooner or later yep. face this adversary, which is clearly hunting them. Clearly, and a lot bigger than they are. Yes, a yes. very serious adversary. So, yes. what did you think of The Edge, girl? Um, I actually kind of liked this movie. Yeah. Um, I I do have some sciency type problems with it. Okay. Um, first being that um, the birds flying up and breaking the windshield of the plane mm-hmm. would never ever happen. Those are like super super tempered glass. Nothing can get through those guys. That was my first issue. Um, and That wasn't what brought down the plane, for the record. It wasn't what brought down the plane, but didn't it kill the pilot? Uh, the, the, well, the pilot didn't survive the crash. It wasn't clear exactly how he had died, but uh, they jammed up the propeller. The yes. Prope- and the engine failed, is what yes. brought the plane down. Uh, and Still. as the flock kept on hitting the plane, yes, some of the windows were broken. Yes. And you're saying they're taking dramatic license for that. Yes. I thought it was a fairly believable crash as far as movie plane crashes go Maybe. i didn't it didn't take me out of it but no i'm not I, i'm not bill nye the science guy so <laughs> um yeah i did yeah for the most part i i did enjoy this movie i did enjoy that they did uh, or that they stayed pretty true to typical bear behavior i think it's like grizzly bear versus black bear oh yeah that type of thing and and Grizzly bears will. They're very aggressive. Yeah. I, I think it's the grizzly bears as opposed to black bears, which will just kind of... Yeah. Apparently, and I do know a little bit about bears. Excellent. <laughs> the worst bear you want to run into is actually not a grizzly. It's a polar bear. Mm. Apparently, if a polar bear commits to eating you, it will go out of its fucking way to eat you. Um, uh, grizzly bears are very similar in sort of like if they commit, if that's, mm-hmm. they decide that you're their next meal, you have a real problem on your yeah. hands. Um I'm terrified of sharks, and I think about sharks every time I swim in the ocean. Yeah. I'll walk any path in any forest, and I'm not particularly scared of bears for whatever reason. No. Particularly because, especially in Canada, nine times out of ten, if you see a bear, it's yeah. a black bear, and yeah. it's you're seeing its ass as it's running away from you. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, I would be 
horrified <laughs> to encounter a grizzly bear. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. I think this movie realizes that on a couple of occasions really well. Yes. I, I think most memorably there's a scene where Anthony Hopkins is attempting to fish with a little piece of wire and a piece of gold in this mm -hmm. creek. Yeah. And then he just turns his head slightly and realizes that the bear is four feet from him. Yeah. Just staring at him. Yes. And he hadn't seen it until it was that close. Yeah. Fucking yikes. Yes. Yeah, well yikes. done. Well done. Yes. Like, um, and that works really well. Yeah. That did work really well. I want to talk about our ba Baldwin boy. Ooh. Mr. Mr. Alec Baldwin. Yes. Um, this is a high, big profile role, really, in his career. He doesn't get a lot of starring vehicles for some no. reason. He's usually like a supporting player or a villain. Yeah. And he himself has said he considers his entire movie career to be a failure. Sad. Which I think is ridiculous. Mm. Because if you've been in a couple of dozen high profile movies, yeah. your film career isn't a failure. And shame on you for saying <laughs> it. I think he gives a really strong performance here. He and he's working a good off of. Ball. Yeah, he he's does. playing off of Anthony Hopkins. And. On a given scene, you like or hate Bob, but mm -hmm. I never didn't believe Bob. No, I will give him that. I was actually really surprised that I enjoyed his performance as much as I did. Yeah. And that it was as... Well, I can't say that his performances aren't believable. It might be a uh, real-life personality thing that is uh, coloring my my view of him, but... There's a scene where a helicopter passes over them very close. Yeah. And they're in the trees when it comes and they just they, there's no way for them to get to the helicopter so that it would see them in time yeah and because they're so far away from where they were there's no real reason to think that it would come back yeah and he has a complete breakdown as a result of this yes. and i thought it was an amazingly done scene <laughs> in a way i think that alec baldwin gives the performance of the movie and I he was working that. against anthony hawkins who's solid yeah. But I think that this movie belongs to Alec Baldwin, yeah. or arguably Bart the Bear, but maybe Bart. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yes. Who was in, like, every single movie involving a bear for yeah. his whole lifetime? Uh, and now I think it's his grandson. Yeah. Um, Bart the Bear has been in a lot of movies, and he is a mm -hmm. game player. He does Absolutely. good work. Uh, he's got a kind of recognizable droopy dog, yeah. <laughs> like, lip. He's sort of got a pouty lip on yeah. him. <laughs> But uh, he does great work. This was also shot, I'd like to point out, in, uh, in around Canmore in Alberta. Yes. Which yes. Uh, is a place where partially. I vacation. Yeah, partially. Yeah. And uh, yeah, beautiful place. And, Gorgeous. Uh, um, yay, Canadian made, partially. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, big points to Alec Baldwin and Bart the Bear. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to take anything away from Anthony Hopkins. It, it, it's funny playing that character, it, again, going to the Goodwill Hunting comparison. Mm -hmm. He's a billionaire and he's hyper-intelligent, so you'd think he'd be fascinating, right? But he's just kind of got this it, it's very... levelness to him. <laughs> yeah, he's got like one level, exactly. That's yeah, exactly what I was thinking that... And I mean, for somebody who's as smart as his character was supposed to be, um, the whole making the compass out of the needle and the silk thing, mm -hmm. luckily he was wearing silk when trekking into the mountains, as most good mountaineers do. He's a billionaire. Do. <laughs> He's a billionaire. I but, yeah, trying to make the compass when a smart guy like that should know, like survival skill 101, if you want to find the south direction, look for the moss on the trees. Right. And that's south. Well, Easy. Survivor Man will tell you that that's not true. Oh. Um, Survivor Man has said that the, everyone will say that moss will only grow on one side of the yeah. tree. And then he showed us a bunch of trees. Dominant. Yeah. 
but he shows a bunch of trees and they're just covered in moss all the way around. But whatever. There's uh, got to be more than one tree. There's though. ways to direct yourself to the, the stars and to the sides. And because he's such yeah. a red person, he's tried it. But I liked that they completely trusted his compass mm-hmm. and that he fucked it up. Totally he realized later that he'd fucked it up. Yeah. But they, by that time, they'd spent a day walking in a huge circle. Oh, yeah. After they got back to their own campsite. Yeah. That one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And a yeah. great demoralizing <laughs> moment for the group. They've traveled. <laughs> okay. They've run from a bear. Well, they almost drowned in a river. <laughs> and they end up, after all of that, right where they started. They do. Yes. They're just more tired and more hungry than when they left. Yeah. Um, I guess one of the first really... Okay, the first really stupid move that they made was uh, who whatever guy hanging um, the, the bloody, bloody rags. rags. Yeah, it's my friend Sarah and I were watching it, and she's like, "What are they? It is that's like bacon for humans." Yeah, like <laughs> and over and above that, the Anthony Hopkins said, "You have to bury those." Yeah, like they were told not to do that, yeah. and they did the exact wrong thing. They did the exact wrong thing. Everybody makes mistakes yeah. in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and then the first smart thing that they really did was to actually start carrying the fire with, with them. them. Yeah. That was absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I went through bear training. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be an interesting course to take, I can only yeah. imagine. Once they, uh, decide they have to deal with this bear and they have a very dramatic and I think good payoff with the mm-hmm. sequence where they fight the bear... Fairly realistically, I thought it wasn't like I Burning Bright where I didn't believe they were in the same shot with the bear. I, I, I maybe didn't always believe it was Alec Baldwin and Anthony uh, Hopkins, yeah. but yeah. there was somebody interacting with Bart the Bear and it looked like there was a fight going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really appreciated that. I think where things get a little bit rocky for me is yeah. once the bear is taken care of. Yeah. And they find this cabin and then it's just Bob with the billionaire. Sure. And Bob sees this opportunity yeah he's in love with the billionaire's wife and, and they've yes. been in the survival situation he could very easily be disappeared yeah but they've been through so much together that at that point i didn't buy him making that decision and uh he struggles with it and in order to deal with that he just gets drunk yeah but uh i don't know that i completely bought the <laughs> turn i think for me and maybe this is a dude thing if we've killed a bear together, we're officially bros. For sure. <laughs> you know? For sure. I'm not yeah. going to later that day threaten to kill you with a shotgun. Yes. And that angle disappointed me. And mm-hmm. they still did try to give some redemption to Bob's character. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I found it unfortunate that they felt that they needed that extra. It couldn't just be a survival movie. They also yeah. had to throw in this mon. It had to be man versus nature, man versus himself, and man versus man all in one bucket. Yeah. And I put the blame for that on Mr. Mammoth. There you go. Um, you know, it's not as fuck heavy as some of his other scripts. And mm-hmm. it's not as, you know, I'm going to take an uncomfortable ner- nerve and I'm going to poke it and poke it and poke it for 90 minutes, which drives me crazy. There you go. Uh, and it doesn't always draw attention to itself there's some of his plays like oleana for the entire first act no character completes a sentence nice like uh it gets distracting it yeah he it goes from him trying to be real and making people talk the way people talk to it just becoming mammoth verse yeah and uh the mammoth verse didn't take over the edge no. it still worked as an adventure story and and uh the actors handled the mammoth dialogue well yeah so, uh, points there. Points there. <laughs> uh, 
Um, just to go back a little bit, when Bring they it. killed the bear and they made themselves the bear suits. Very well made. I was super impressed with the tailoring. <laughs> Indeed. And with the fact that it wasn't just bloody as all hell and it looked like super tanned already. And <laughs> yeah, I was very I impressed with their suits. my life. Uh, okay, I can buy that they could skin the bear and that they're eating the bear, but mm-hmm. I can't buy that they could skin the eat the bear and not be covered with blood. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> no, that was a little... It's Fetchy. a note. Um, and uh, for me, I just said it probably was kind of gross on the inside, but yeah. at that point, they just didn't care <laughs> because they were sure. cold. Yeah. Uh, I would have uh, flipped it the other way, though. Like, yeah, maybe put the fur against you and yeah. let the meat on the outside. That would make more sense to me. It also would make me wonder, I mean, Bart the Bear couldn't have been the only bear in the neighborhood. Of right. Putting that stink out there might be a ringing the dinner bell for someone else. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. My only other small beef is the very, 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 very 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 end of the movie okay when uh anthony hopkins gets spoilers anthony hopkins is rescued and the helicopter li- lands just seconds after bob has died he finally bleeds to death yeah lose for bob yeah and he gets back to this remote post and as he gets off the plane there's a full cadre of press people and cameras taking pictures of him and, and, and i understand that he's a billionaire and that this sure. would be a story but yeah. even in this day and age of you know, the media being completely cracked and arguably working against the good of the world. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy, A, them having a press conference waiting for him, yeah. and B, him answering any of their fucking questions. Like, I just got rescued after four days in the woods. My friends have been killed. Yeah. I'm here to see my wife, who I now know has been cheating on me. No, yes. I'm not going to take the time to answer your questions. I'm just not. Yeah. Uh, maybe a week or a month or a year from now when I've processed this. Sure. But the movie ends with him giving a speech to all these cameras and saying that his friends died saving him. And yeah. uh, it was like an up, supposed to be an upbeat moment to sort of end the movie on. And it was the least genuine moment of the entire movie. I However, thought. he is pretty stoic throughout <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. And pretty, um, like, disjunct from emotions. Yeah. You know, so maybe... It was easy for him to do. Perhaps it was. Like, he's, yeah, intelligent. He's a thinker guy. Analyze the situation. Emotions don't even come into it. That's just me in a different sort of survival scenario. Like, if I'm Tom Hanks, who gets rescued off of my tropical island and castaway, first thing I'm going to want is a fucking hamburger. (laughs) And, uh, you know, like... Just to hug somebody because I've been alone for all of this time. Yeah, you know? exactly. I'm just not gonna, be, uh, you know, I have to do my public service. You know? Yeah. I don't know. It didn't ring true to me. Maybe you're right. Maybe his character wouldn't give a mm-hmm. shit about it, even even after all he'd been yeah. through. But you get the feeling, like he says, you know, I'm gonna change my life. This thing, this adventure, this experience has somehow changed him. Yeah. I don't know that it's magically going to imbibe him with imagination. <laughs> but uh, No, or feeling, yeah. seemingly. But presumably but. he's going to divorce his wife, and he yeah. is going to start living his life differently. But I'm in a vague way. Like, I don't know how this character will be different a year from now. You know, That's the thing with a lot of movies, though, is people expect the more upbeat ending. Yeah. It doesn't always I have good. no problem with a bummer ending, either. I just, Me neither. Uh, I think it's And uh, in a way, he survived. There was a survivor. It wasn't like mm-hmm. a completely valid tale. Uh, yeah. I like it.
Good luck, Miss Daniels. Thank you. smokes in the 1960s. Yes. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody smokes. And smoked. a lot. In fact, if you're smoking in front of someone, it's kind of rude in 1963 to not offer them a cigarette. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did you want a cigarette as well? <laughs> um, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. The Birds. Alfred Hitchcock was inspired to make The Birds after reading a news account of a 1961 incident in Capitola, California, where thousands of sooty shearwaters smashed into houses. So says the DVD case of the birds. Right, right. <clears throat> um, it's uh, also based off a novel, which I'm trying to find the name of here somewhere. Uh, Daphne du Maurier. Uh, it's a suspense story mm. about uh, the day the birds decided that people were no good. Um, I recently reviewed Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. I don't know if you've mm. listened to that episode yet, but... Uh, it, uh, we talked about uh, the whole journey that happens in the first half of the movie to get to where the movie starts. Yeah. I think a similar sort of thing happens here with the birds, uh, in which uh, this Tippy Hedren, our, our lead character, meets a handsome man <laughs> in a bird <laughs> shop and decides to stalk him back to yeah. his apartment. Yeah. And uh, when he's not at his apartment, decides to stalk him back to his quaint hometown of Bodega Bay. Two hours and, away. And uh, insinuate herself with his friends and family there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we were talking about this earlier, you know, like, this is creepy behavior. It's extremely creepy behavior, which would result in uh, probably arrest nowadays. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's kind of quaint, and you could say, oh, she's just sort of a charming romantic. But, uh, you know, with this day and age, looking at it through our lens, uh, it's creepy if it's a girl. And if it's yeah. a dude, he's going to jail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. interesting. No. But but the main point, other than Tippy Hedren's character being a creepy stalker, is that we spend probably the first forty minutes of this two hour movie yeah. getting her to Bodega Bay yeah. before the shit hits the fan. With the uh the really authentic car sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Love in, it. A, a inadvertently hilarious sequence when she's driving down the highway and going down the curves where they show the lovebirds in the cage yeah. sort of leaning to the left and the right with yeah. the lilt of the road. It's just not convincing for not a second. In, like today, that would be an insert shot in a comedy movie. Yeah, right? it but would. we're being asked yeah. to take that very seriously. Uh, again, it's 1963. This is a long time ago. Way this is different a different mentality. Different, different world place. And I think you have to kind of approach the movie with that. Yes. Uh, I could just say, boo ha ha ha, people were strange back then. Look yeah. at that guy's goofy fucking sweater. You know, like, <laughs> I could do that and I yeah. could just not enjoy the movie. But yeah. I want to take the journey of this movie, so I'm going to try and meet it halfway. Yeah. But once again, and I said the same thing with Psycho, because a lot of people were Hitchcock fans yeah. will just assume that the birds are on the list so it's got to be the number one yeah spoilers yeah the birds is not gonna be number one for me neither for me i don't think it's horrible no uh i think that the concept is really strong and i think there's a lot of interesting stuff to be said mm -hmm. about it um but looking at it through the lens of today um i, I at the risk of sounding blasphemous this is a movie that could be remade yep 
I think that this is a Alfred Hitchcock movie that could be improved upon with modern special effects. Yes. Although uh, they did have some really good creepy bits. Yeah. Uh, which we will get into specifically as well. Um, I don't know. I guess I mainly covered the plot. She comes to yeah. Bodega Bay to stalk this guy that she met. Yeah. And successfully, he seems into her. Yes. <laughs> despite her behavior. Yes. And then all of a sudden, the birds start to attack. Not just her, but school children. Yeah. And in a lot <laughs> which of... Which is hilarious. Yeah. A lot of sus- uh, suspense movie templates that happened to this, the, the local townsfolks just decide to blame her yeah. because it didn't happen until she started showing up and exactly. poking her big city nose around yeah, exactly. the small yeah. town. Yeah. Interesting faces to see. Uh, Jessica Tandy. Jessica Miss Tandy. Miss Daisy. <laughs> Who is like forever an old woman. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, uh, she's the mother figure in this 1963 movie, much like she would be playing for the next five decades <laughs> yes. of her career. Yep. Uh, but it's kind of cool to see her there. Um, yeah. <laughs> Veronica Cartwright is in this movie. She's like 12 years old. But yeah, she went on to do great things in Alien oh, yeah, and Invasions yeah. of the Body Snatchers. And it's interesting to see her as a child actress here. Oh, yeah. And she often plays like, like the psychotic religious woman. Indeed. Yeah. 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 But yeah, she's just a kid, probably thrilled to get a job and to be working with Hitchcock. Yeah, go team. And yeah, it's uh, Suzanne Plachette mm-hmm. as well, who I've often enjoyed and yeah. was surprised to see her. I didn't quite recognize her at first, but yeah. yeah. And I found myself enjoying some character arch- archetypes. There is a wonderful scene. I think it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I think my favorite favorite we'll talk about later. But, but yeah. the birds have started to attack. They go into this restaurant in the middle of the small town. And yeah. everybody sort of huddles around the bar to talk about what the fuck is going on with these birds. Yeah. And this sort of old lady comes in who happens to be an ornithologist. And she knows everything about yes. birds. And she's yeah. very condescending about it. And they're constantly being interrupted by the rummy in the corner who's saying, It's the end of the world! Uh-huh. And everybody is playing complete archetypes, you know? And in another movie, it would really bother me, but I was really (laughs) charmed by it. And I was also really charmed by how sort of the sweetness and quaintness of this town, uh, you know, and uh, the mother is getting upset because her children are being scared by this conversation and uh, just the general politeness of everybody in the area. Before that scene's over, half of these people are dead. The town is on fire and attacked by birds again. The yeah. argument is conclusively settled when the birds attack them. Right? Yes, yes. Um, and uh, sort of seeing that that all play out. It, it, the artifice is obvious, and yet I, I have a huge smile on my face while I'm, I'm watching that scene. That's funny. <laughs> the fire scene. Um, that will... Uh be involved in one of my favorite scenes okay is the fire part yeah just the 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 gas being um yeah the gas and the whole everything that pretty much leads up to it but the camera shots of tippy hedron while the fire is spreading is freaking hilarious it's like uh look right it's getting a little closer it's getting look center (laughs) cut look left cut yeah Awesome. That was fantastic. I did like it. And again, you can see the, yeah. you can see the artifice <laughs> of it, and yet you love it. Um, but to go to my favorite, favorite, favorite scene, yeah. Miss Daisy is <laughs> upset because her neighbor has been killed by birds, and she was unfortunate enough to be the one who found the body. Right, right. Um, and she's worried for her daughter, so she asks Tippy Hedron to go pick up her daughter. Yeah. School's not quite done. So Tippy goes out to smoke a cigarette, and uh-huh. she sits on a bench. And we hear the children singing this lovely nursery rhyme in the background. Yep. 
and on the monkey bars climbing structure behind her that was great. more and more birds start amassing behind her yeah and it's one of these great suspense moments where we're seeing it happening and yeah. the character's not she's just sitting there smoking her cigarette listening to the kids yep. singing it's also a really fairly long sequence. Like it it's the kind of sequence that people wouldn't have the patience for today. But I love it. I yeah. love it. And uh, then she goes into the, the school and she tells the teacher what's going on. And then they have to like make up the story to the kids. Oh, uh, well, Ooh. this woman is here and she wants to see us do our, our, our fire yeah. <laughs> drill. And uh, so anybody who lives close, you run right home. And everyone else, we're going to run, run, run right down that hill. Yeah. you know. Yeah. And as soon as they get outside, shit gets real. Exactly. And, why I say shit gets real, I don't know how convincing the bird attacks are necessarily. But they were great. Yes. Attacking the necks. I loved it. Yeah. That was awesome. And because it's children, because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they seem, the, the birds were waiting for the yeah. children to be let out of school so that they could do this yeah. specifically. Gives it real malevolent intent. Absolutely. <laughs> and Absolutely. Uh, I remember seeing that movie at a young age uh, and that sort of, for the longest time, I like, the birds is amazing. I love the birds. I've grown up a little bit, and yeah. I do recognize that it has flaws. Yes. Um, when we reviewed Psycho, we, we talked about the hilariously inept and stupid remake that they did yes. of Psycho. The really um, bad one? Yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know, like I said, I think that this could be redone. Better special effects and modernize some of the characters so that we can relate to them more. And I yes. think this would be actually quite terrifying. Yeah. Now, as far as our theme about when animals attack, and what I say I like about when animals attack movies is people being somewhere where they shouldn't be, and they encounter a shark, or they encounter a bear, or they encounter yeah. a tiger. This isn't what we get here. This In is this very case, different. the yeah. birds just decide to attack us. Yeah. So it, it kind of distinguishes itself as being different in that respect. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to compare and contrast with these other movies in, in that. Yeah. Um, I definitely, definitely think The Birds is worth walking, watching. It's a thumbs-up review for me. Yeah. But it's one of those movies that you have to have the butt conversation about, you know? Yes. You should watch The Birds, but just know. Yeah. <laughs> Tippi Hendrix is a crazy stalker. Yeah. It's going to take about 40 minutes to really start to cook. Yeah. Uh, once it starts to cook, it's really engaging with watching. Yeah. Like, it's two hours, and I, I, I wasn't necessarily bored, you know? No. I had a good time with it, um, but yeah. uh, I, I, I'm no longer foaming at the mouth over the birds. There's stuff that I love, and there's stuff that's just dated, and I can't deny that it's it's not, you know. Yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, some of the things, you know, even surprised me. For even being filmed when it was, that they would include certain, like the camera shot of her left, right, center, right, center, right. whatever. That's, I don't know. I would think maybe because today's audiences are vastly different from way back then, and I wasn't born then, so I have no idea how innocent people were back then, but Um, the 60s. Two plot elements, and it's one of the reasons I actually would be curious to read the original story, Mm -hmm. and I presume it's... It was probably written well before 63. Daphne du Maurier, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Towards the end of the movie, there's a scene that's like out of every bad horror movie you've ever, ever encountered, where Tippi Hedren hears a noise and slowly walks up the stairs yeah. to investigate herself. And then walks into a room and is attacked by the birds and has to be rescued. And yeah. like, it's an intense sequence. And you're like, oh my God, is, uh, is she going to die? Like, it looks like she's getting just hammered. And she is deeply traumatized and very badly hurt by the yeah. attack. But I still have to ask, 
Why in the world <laughs> did she do that? Yep. What reason are we given for her to behave in that measure? Yeah. Like, uh, that was kind of dumb. And uh, smaller, but equally problematic. Yeah. Veronica Cartwright, the cute little girl I was talking about earlier, yeah. when they're making their escape from the house, uh-huh. asks if she can bring the lovebirds with her. Yeah. They haven't heard anyone, she says. It's true. I'm sorry. They're but birds. if I'm in that scenario... Yeah. Fuck no. You cannot bring those birds. We're taking this woman to a hospital. Yeah. She's been mauled by birds. She's traumatized. So no, we're not going to bring birds in the car. I'm sorry. And I doubt that any sane child would ask to bring birds, considering Ex- exactly. everybody has been mauled by birds. As far as I'm concerned, the lovebirds are the only birds with a legitimate beef with the humans sure. because they have to spend their lives sure. in this tiny cage. Yeah. I, uh, I, you know, uh, it's kind of a cute moment that she asks if we take the lovebirds, but sure. the right answer is, no. I'm sorry, <laughs> no, you cannot take not. the lovebirds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. But again, uh, the birds attack people and it's a fun movie. <laughs> it is a fun movie. I think um, the, uh, the reason... Or the reason given in the movie that the birds attacked is because there was a fog that came up and discombobulated them or something. Which, uh, yeah, no. no. It's sort no. of that sort of explanation reminds me of the meteor that passes close to Earth that they mention in Night of the Living Dead as a possible reason for the zombies. There you and go. Really, they don't know. It's the media trying to give a reason. Sure. Uh, this was the ornithologist, I thought. Well, she was trying to explain how why birds had uh, acted mysteriously in other occasions, but at the time she was making that case, she didn't believe that the birds were attacking. Yeah, she doesn't that believe true. that the birds are attacking until they do. And interesting, once they do attack, she doesn't, you know, say, "Oh, I guess you're right." Yeah, she just stops talking. Mm. We don't hear anything more from her because, you know, <laughs> I like the birds, but um, yeah. I think that age is starting to wear a little bit. It is, yeah, and quite honestly, um, and it's really only. Tippy Hedren and Veronica that I had the issues with Veronica. Yes, that was like one of probably one of her first roles. Mm-hmm. Tippy Hedren, this was her first acting role or first speaking, speaking role. role. Um, but yeah, I thought, and I know it was also was it a character problem or an acting the time. problem? The, it was an acting problem. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Most of the others were very convincing, and you know when you can tell that people are acting. Yeah. There's it's, an artist, that's how too, I felt. especially in these old sexy movies, where people will deliver their dialogue in a sort of strange theatrical way. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, and you sort of have to take that on the chin. And yeah. the, the, as cinema progresses, you, you sort of see less and less of it. But uh, Yeah. Realism and character, I guess, is something that I... Especially like. in situations as surreal as this, the, yeah. real, the more real you can play it, the better it is for yeah. selling the story. Yeah, exactly. A fire, then we find food. If we don't move and work now, we're all freeze to death. Somebody will find us. They gotta know that plane went off the radar. Nobody's gonna find us, not here. We figure out what way is south and we start walking. This will be one of those wild stories you tell at a party. <laughs> get up, get up. Don't move, stare right back at him. To that tree line, we can better defend ourselves. You gotta be kidding me. We could climb down. If we follow the river, we got a better chance of finding shelter. How are we gonna deal with this? We take them on one at a time.
Okay, uh, we're now going to talk about the Joe Carnahan film, The Grey, which has to do with a bunch of oil rig workers who suffer a plane crash yeah. in the frozen north. You have to assume this, this should be a Canadian movie in a lot of ways. This feels like it's a very Canadian story. Um, yeah, over and above surviving this horrible plane crash and dealing with all the wounded and dead around them, uh, a pack of wolves seems to have either felt the threat of the territory or saw an easy lunch mm -hmm. and decide they're going to make a meal of it. And uh, the surviving members of this group have to decide what they're going to do to try and survive. Um, it's, a, again, a very simple premise, similar like we've seen in, in The Edge and other this before. Yeah. It, it's interesting, there was some <clears throat> outcry uh, about this movie a little bit in its Huge. portrayal about the wolves saying that Huge. wolves are not evil, they're not these evil creatures like that. But I have to say, I, I didn't not buy the wolves in this movie. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, a bloody, wounded human being walking across the tundra is an easy meal for a wolf. I yep. totally buy them going after these guys. Um, the, the macho standoffs that happened between them, I could say yay or nay about, but mm -hmm. I do know that the, the packs of wolves are very sort of alpha male oriented and uh, they, they, they do sort of, what do they call it, were they sort of displays of aggression or displays of territory or, or of, uh, I am the big, big alpha here, don't fuck with me sort of uh, behaviors. Yeah. Um, so when watching the movie, I, I was sort of expecting the wolves to be like monstrous, like creatures yeah but uh i actually thought that they were very realistically rendered and quite frightening yeah and uh i would not agree that it was an unfair portrayal of wolves even in saskatchewan with coyotes uh mm -hmm. if you've ever tried to you know sleeping in a tent camping listening to all these coyotes making the terrible chatter outside it's horrifying <laughs> and i know i have family in the farms around here that the coyotes will try and lure the dogs off of the farm to go yeah. chase them in the fields and they yeah. will rip them to pieces for yeah. fun yeah um, and those are coyotes, mm -hmm. which are like the baby version of these wolves who make their living in, you know, the, the northern winter, <laughs> the it, uh, practical eternal winter that is the Canadian North. So, yeah, over and above trying to stay alive in this horrible climate, having to deal with these wolves, like the dramatic stakes are right away mm -hmm. super high. They are. Um, we sort of center ourselves with the Liam Neeson character, whose job it was to protect these workers while they were on the rigs. And takes it upon himself to continue doing that job in this scenario and beyond that we have our group of somewhat types although i think fairly well rendered there's the sort of belligerent difficult guy who is making things worse at every step of the way mm -hmm. there's the sort of silent bookish peaceful guy who's you know you know there's people who panic and there's people who are followers you know yeah. um i gotta say the production and the acting solid all the way through Absolutely. this movie yeah. um and uh it's one of those movies that made me feel cold while i yeah. was watching it yeah. uh i didn't feel like they were fit this was a shot on location movie they weren't faking it yeah. and i really respect that as if it's a much more difficult feat of filmmaking and it also gives the film a much more genuine feel than Absolutely. it otherwise would have had and that some would argue maybe it deserves <laughs> uh so i'm a fan of the gray um Although I might argue that it's not about man versus wolves, or I, I think that this is basically man versus death. I think that this Inevitable. movie is about how people try to face the fact that there is a 100% mortality rate. Mm -hmm. And we know that. We all know that. 
but yeah. we go through our days, you know, yeah. not worried about dying. And if you're put in a position where death is in front of you, how will that change you? Hmm. What do you think of the gray girl? I also really, really liked this movie. I thought, like you said, the acting, super solid throughout the whole entire thing. Um, visually, yes, the wolves were were right on par, I thought. Um, I did have a lot of issue. Like you said, it did cause a lot of controversy, including with the reintroduction of Alaskan wolves to Idaho. Right. Um, there were like mass killings and people were like super freaked out after this movie and there were like a lot of protesting and and just a lot of bad press for wolves yeah. as a result of this movie. Uh, and there's a lot of really big natural behavior inconsistencies. Like they're not revenge creatures. Right. You know, they're they're more likely to scavenge than they are to hunt because right. it expends less energy. Easier meal. Go for the easy meals. Absolutely. There was this point where the character Diaz mm -hmm. was Who's the was Cooper character. The Cooper character. He was being fucked with, which they will do to <laughs> try and identify weaknesses. But once they have their first kill, they're not gonna continue to hunt the rest of the people because they are generally really shy creatures and will light sound anything like that they will shy away from and they will run away from yeah you know they're not seek and destroy type creatures they're just not i i kind of feel like the movie covered that point pretty well for me because uh they liam neeson sees in the distance a tree line and says well we're out in the middle of nowhere if the wolves don't kill us yeah. Uh, the elements will. We have to head for the tree line. Yeah. And by making that decision, which makes sense, mm -hmm. they were going closer to the wolves' den. They moved themselves towards where the wolves' base of operation was. Which they did not know. And... They didn't know they were doing that, but uh, but that is another reason I think that the wolves continue to fuck with them. Because instead of fucking off and leaving, they except, came closer to home. Except, uh, yeah, okay, with the den thing and defending territory thing, absolutely. But wolves will also generally hunt out in the open. Mm -hmm. They will very rarely hunt in the forested area because they, they need the speed is yeah. what they need. So, yeah, I did have some problems. And really, like, I, the amount of backlash as a result of this movie towards wolves was just astounding. And... I don't. I can't really blame the movie though. I think that that's people making a mountain out of a molehill. As As the people only, do, yeah, though. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the only time I remember sort of thinking, I don't know if I buy that. Uh, mm -hmm. There's one scene you were talking about where Diaz is challenged. The wolves seem to think that Diaz is the alpha because he's always making the the, the noise yeah. and, and fighting with Liam Neeson. Yeah. Uh, and so he says the alpha basically sent his second in band to test Diaz. Yeah. And he's specifically attacked. They kill the wolf and fucking decapitate it yeah. and throw the severed head back at the wolves. And yes. that seems to be an instigating measure, right? It does seem and, to uh, be. And that was the one plot point where it's like, I don't know a lot about wolves, but that doesn't sound right to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, everything else being so good. And because, like I said at the beginning of the review, I don't think this movie's about wolves necessarily. Mm. I think yeah, this, is I about, this is about dealing with death, about yeah. the facing it. Yeah. Um, one of the characters in the movie, who is played by Dermot Mulroney, mm -hmm. sort of the bespectacled, uh, sort of the guy who seems like the <laughs> to play a stereotype, who seems too smart to be working on an oil rig. Uh, Are you sure Dermot Mulroney? 
I thought it, the guy from The Walking Dead seemed like the really smart oh, one yeah, to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, whatever his, his name, name is. <laughs> We're going to do a lot of editing. Henry. Things. He played Dal- Dallas Roberts. Dallas yeah. Roberts. But uh, he was also, he was sort of like the Zen guy to me. He was very just much. very like sort of the peaceful dude. Hey, yeah. guys, we got to work together. We got to get along. Yeah. Um, Dermot Mulroney's character has this speech where he, he says, you know, we survived this crash, so yeah. it means something. Yeah. You know? But it doesn't. <laughs> you know? Not necessarily. Yeah. They were dead in a lot of ways the second that the plane went down. It's like, um, if, it's, if it's your time, it's your time. His putting the import on the fact that they survived, yeah. you know, was his putting the own the importance on it, you know? But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if the wolves see the opportunity, you know, he's out of the game. And uh, he takes a bad fall and is broken at the bottom of a tree and the yeah. wolves take him. Yeah. Uh, his surviving the plane, therefore, didn't have meaning? <laughs> no. No, <laughs> uh, not at arguably. all. Arguably. Yeah. Um, Liam Neeson, uh, his character, keeps on flashing back to this beautiful woman laying in bed trying to keep him calm and, and talking to him and telling him it's going to be okay. Uh, we imagine it while we're watching, or at least I did, that this was mm. his vision of the, what was waiting for him back home, trying to talk him through it, telling him not to be afraid. Yeah. Uh, we find out that this is his wife who has died, mm-hmm. and uh, that he was in fact suicidal. Of all the members of the group, you would think he would be the least willing to survive, since he was yes. pretty much willing to blow his own head off earlier yeah. in the movie. Yeah. And yet he... There's a difference Seems to be the choices, most driven though. to live. Yeah. Diaz, the uh, the Cooper asshole character, who was just, fuck you guys, everything you're doing wrong, if you want to live, you got to listen to me. Yeah. He's the guy who says, I quit, and yeah. sits down, yeah. and says, I quit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because when given, like, when he, he convinces himself that, no, he can't avoid death. Yeah. He's not going to fight it, he's not going to prolong it, he's just going to... Practically welcome it. Kind of makes sense, though. Most really angry, belligerent people, I'm pretty sure, are very unhappy in their lives. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. But the bullet point for all of the characters that go through, you know, the Zen fellow, he does mm-hmm. nothing wrong. He does yeah. everything right every step of the way. Yeah. Gets his foot caught under a log and drowns. Which was an excellent death brutal, scene. Brutal, brutal, heartbreaking brutal. moment. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that was like the best death scene of the, of of the, the movie. movie. But again, nobody is spared. Because no. in the end, nobody is spared. Yeah. That's, that's the brutal truth. Very insightful, uh, Larry Parsons. It's how you choose to deal with that. Yeah. And most people choose to deal with that by not dealing with it, yeah. by pretending that we're not going to die. We're gonna, we are immortal beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not even talking about the soul going on and on, which is a totally different conversation. Yeah. I'm talking about most people don't fe- face the fact that someday their body is not going to work and it's going to rot away into nothing. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you dwell on that, though, you see kind You'll of the futility. Mad. You'll go mad. Yeah, like. But at some point, you have to face it. Yeah, you do. Everybody does. And I think not facing it your whole life is maybe not necessarily helpful. No. (laughs) Um, Sometimes you got to look at the dark corners. Yeah. And you got to be real. Exactly. Uh, I can see a lot of people watching a movie like The Grey and saying, what was the point of this? What was the point of this? Hmm. Well, because in the end, spoilers, what happens? Everybody dies. Everybody dies. The wolves win. Yeah. Quote, unquote. But again, I don't think it's about wolves. The wolves, the wilderness, themselves. Mm -hmm. 
or death against themselves rather. But they, I guess, if their lives have more significance or less than anyone who died on the plane, they were more in a position to choose how they were going to go out mm-hmm. than anybody who was just in the plane and was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I felt uh, a larger level of storytelling was going on in this movie than, than a lot of the movies we're talking about yeah. on this list. I agree. And the production values and the acting... Big points, big points. So if they fudged some of the wolf behavior, uh, I'm going to give them a pass on that. And uh, I will blame the media for making a mountain out of a molehill out of this movie. This is a movie. It is Uh, a movie. uh, It's a really good movie. I like it a lot. I would encourage people to watch it. Me too. But uh, I tell you, when you come into it, you know, this is a, it wasn't advertised as a horror movie, but this is a fucking horror movie. (laughs) It's scary and it makes you think about stuff that, it does. It's hard. Yeah, I agree. Um, let the wolves be. We're not supposed to be there. Exactly. They're supposed to be there. Yeah. If we're there and they eat us, that's kind of our fault for being there. There you go. <laughs> now, I might not feel that way while I'm being pulled apart by the wolves. Sure. And they didn't choose to come there. The plane fell out of the sky. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. uh, that's the way I see that. I, I, you know, evil intent yeah. or no, the wolves were being wolves. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, but again, yeah, the the seek and destroy mentality of the wolves. Same with the bear in in the the edge. Like, yeah. it, they just wouldn't do that. I don't think. I like, don't know so much about bears. Uh, every, I find it more believable in wolves than in bears. But uh, <laughs> possibly, possibly. I, I I I will not comment because I am not I am not in the know. <laughs> I I actually know a fair bit about wolves, so. Yeah, I don't know. It it just made me angry. The and and not at the movie. The movie was great. Hmm. I really have hardly anything bad to say about the movie aside from the hype. unfortunate repercussions. Exactly, exactly. Which again, I agree was probably media and human stupidity. Yeah. Uh, people would argue same thing with Jaws, right? Yeah. When Jaws came out, people stopped going to the beaches, oh, exactly. and people started just killing sharks yeah. on site exactly. and getting high fives all around for it yeah. and killing the top predator in the ocean is having some negative repercussions to it this is. day that you could maybe blame on spielberg but let's be real it's not spielberg's fault it's ignorance it is we can blame ignorance yes for most things in life Sad we can blame ignorance yeah see how rich this movie is the, <laughs> the conversation it has engendered unreal perfect security scenarios we ran. I'm smack in the middle of one we didn't think of. Can anybody hear me? Let's go! Shh. Did you guys hear that? Okay, K2, it's now time for you and I to disagree about snakes on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Speaking of sharks, uh, we were just talking briefly about Jaws. Um, the uh, director of this, David R. Ellis, uh, did a movie called uh, Shark Night. 
that I reviewed in my shark episode. <laughs> like night as in N-I-G-H-T or K-N-I-G-H-T? <laughs> no, N-I-G-H-T. I'm pretty sure is what they're going for. I'm disappointed for at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if he got the gig because he was really good at making animal movies, but I think that, that Shark Night, as bluntly simple as yeah. it is, is a superior movie in many ways okay. to Snakes on a Plane. Right. Um, now... People are going to say, like, how can you hate Snake on a Plane? And, and hate is a strong word. I wouldn't necessarily yeah. use the word hate, but it's just being a goofy movie. All yeah. it wants to be is a dumb as shit Snakes on a Plane movie. Yeah. Let it be a dumb as shit Snakes on a Plane movie. Exactly. And I would. Except for I don't think it knew it was a dumb as shit Snakes on a Plane movie until the media sort of got hold of it. They heard about this movie in production, and they yeah. were like, did you hear that they're doing this Snakes on a Plane movie with Sam Jackson? That sounds awesome. Because... They reshot a bunch of sequences made to secure an R rating. They added the sex scene in the in the in the bathroom, in the bathroom, yeah. and uh, the of course line, "I'm sick of these motherfucking snakes on yeah. this motherfucking plane." Yeah. To basically accommodate what the people were expecting. Huh. I didn't. But know I think that. what the people were expecting was not the movie that was being made. No. In fact, this movie takes itself pretty fucking seriously for a movie that is as stupid as it is. <laughs> And yeah. I, that disjunction I find problematic. If it was just, we're a stupid snakes on a plane movie and let's be dumb and have fun, yeah. then great. Or if it's, we're going to try and make this a seriously scary movie because two of the biggest fears people have are flight and snakes. We're going to yeah. put them in one movie. Um, I think that it would be easier to go light with it. I don't know it's easy to make a plausible movie <laughs> about snakes on a plane, but I think you got to pick a road. And because this movie didn't, it is all over the place yeah and because it's all over the place i don't fully endorse it okay, um okay. but that's me um my other big beef is just the amount of cgi in it from shot to shot yeah <clears throat> i know that they're not going to use real snakes around the actors and we'll have to sort of take what we can get but um just the way they moved seemed too quick and just not real it seemed mm -hmm. movie snake yeah you know and that again made it not as scary to me Okay. Um, there are things that I like about the movie. There are very amusing moments to it. And, uh, you know, I guess I could say the plot. Some, some kid witnesses a murder and uh, gets yeah. is under the protection of Sam Jackson and his partner. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's got his fingers in a lot of pie, this criminal, because he seems to know exactly where this kid's going to be and somehow manages to put an entire crate, like huge vast crates of, of snakes, feed them with some kind of, what was it... Uh, endorphin or, oh, pheromone. or pheromones that yeah. uh, would uh, make them act like snakes on crack and be super aggressive, mm -hmm. which the movie at least admits that snakes aren't as a rule like that. They're not no. going to just slither up and bite you. You're going to have to, you're going to have to engage them in some way yeah. to, to provoke that attack. Yeah. So yeah, I think I've, I've shown my hand of where I stand <laughs> on snakes in a yeah. plane, but I, I please like uh, I'm in the minority here. And yeah. This is a surprise to me, but uh, <laughs> I'm in the minority. People love snakes on a plane. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, I wouldn't say that I love snakes on a plane. I did find it like laugh out loud amusing in parts. The the one that I thought uh, well, okay, they got the boobs, the boob shot, mm -hmm. the penis shot. Mm -hmm. They got um, the tongue, the eyeball, a bunch of necks. You know, yeah, I found all of those thoroughly amusing. Uh, the woman in the muumuu who was being felt up felt and had up like the, the saucy dream. Yeah, that and... made me uncomfortable for yeah, some reason. Yeah, a little bit uncomfortable. 
Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't like that. I, yep. I know what you're going for. That's yep. supposed to be funny, but uh, ew. Yeah. There was a, yeah, the snake coming out of the folded, flattened uh, Vomit bag? bag? Yeah. 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 See? Yeah, and really? again, that was just... If the whole movie was like the airplane template where they were going for the most obvious joke and ringing yeah. it as loudly as possible, I would have accepted that. But after they cut away from this, the vomit bag snake, yeah. there's a kid whose arm is swelling up and we're supposed to really fear for. Yeah. You know? Which really, in real life, if like a kid that size being bitten, his arm would not swell up. He would die. He would die. Yeah. Like, and rather quickly. Kids and old people are the typical, same thing we talked about with spiders. Yeah. They're the people who will tend to die from, exactly. from a snake bite. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I did, you know, they got some things right, like the, uh, oh, what do you call it? Ophidiophobia oh, Ophidia. is actually the fear of snakes. Okay. Yeah. Um, they did get, they got it kind of right with the talking about the anti-venom stuff that some anti-venoms do have to be specific to the snake to the snake however if you have snakes that like they're just breeds apart rather than species apart then it's you know you can get away with using just a, a blanket anti-venom and it should be fine and dandy but Oh. Oh, oh, and the guy throwing the dog throwing the dog at the giant snake oh yes that was mean. animals don't fare well I also wanted to mention the dog in Rogue that got munched after yes. finding Rada Michelle that pissed me yeah. off yeah kill all the people you want fuck leave the dogs alone exactly horror movies and dogs yeah show me more horror movies where they kill a cat exactly how many times have you seen a cat get killed mix it up yeah. you guys anyway I'm a cat person I'd rather that over. not happen <laughs> rant over <laughs> A uh, couple of highlights that I will say about the movie uh, that helped me get into the movie. Um, David Koechner plays the co-pilot, um, who's like this sexist kind of pervy <laughs> jerk-off, yep. and yet is also weirdly heroic he in is. the way he, he deals is. with things. Yeah, so, exactly. I, I thought he had an amusing performance. Yeah. And uh, sort of horror movie and just general movie stalwart Lynn Shay plays uh, Grace, sort of the Grace, the eldest yeah. of the of the cabin crew, yeah. who uh, sacrifices herself to save a baby from a snake. She does. And uh, again, that was a was a fairly good scene, but it seemed to belong in a different movie. When yeah. a few scenes ago, we were watching a guy get bit on the penis mm-hmm. with a snake, and yeah. now this woman sacrificing oh. herself to save a baby, and we're supposed to, you know reconcile these two scenes in the same movie the penis with the classic quote fucking snake get off my dick yeah in case we yeah. didn't realize it yeah, yeah the exactly. snake has got his penis everyone <laughs> Go oh, figure. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah it's like as far as what you were saying about using that as a way to get to your target that's a pretty offshoot thing to do like like, how do you know that the snake is going to get your intended target? Well, it was gonna, they were going to take down the plane. That was the theory. With Nobody snakes. on the plane yeah. was going to survive. It's a pretty drastic move, <laughs> don't you think? Are you picking plot holes and snakes on a plane? A little bit, a little bit, yeah. Um, I want to say more positive things about it because I know I opened up being super <laughs> negative. No movie ever has been hurt by the presence of Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> I like me some Sam Jackson. Okay, okay. And uh, I also find him an inspirational figure in that he didn't really see the bulk of his great success until he was in his 40s. He's sort of yeah. like a, a late bloomer in yeah. that respect. And uh, he and Liam Neeson are like these 60-year-old action stars. The way no actress can ever be, unfortunately. No, it's very, very true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not defending that. I'm just stating it as a fact. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, he 
he does do a fairly good job. Again, he's playing it very seriously for the most part. Yeah. And that's why when those added scenes where he says, I'm sick of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane, don't seem to read yeah. as well. The scene where he uh, talks about his partner being like the hardest dude he'd ever met. You know, he's worked with him for 10 years. And that mm-hmm. guy, was, he's trying to say this to comfort them, but they set it up so that when that guy is absolutely horrified of the snakes and he dies with his last words being good luck, yeah. that that was supposed to be like a huge beat. And uh, because the movie was all over the place, I wasn't sure if that was a suspense moment or a laugh line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could take it either way, really. <laughs> it's true. It's yeah, true. That's funny. Um, a, a really good death scene in that, though. The high heel through the ear. That would have sucked. Yes. And I'm sure he wouldn't have been screaming and screaming. Because, uh, yeah, I think they were fairly high, high heels. So he probably would have been dead pretty instantly. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Can I enter the racist portion of my review? Do it. With the exception of Samuel L. Jackson, I was greatly irritated by every other African-American character mm. in the movie. Yeah. Not because they were African-American, but <laughs> no. there was, like, the music mogul who treated his crew like shit. Absolutely And shit. Uh, was flirting with the Paris Hilton archetype. Yeah. Didn't care about him, didn't like him. No. Didn't give a shit. Uh, of all of his scenes, I was like, oh, him again. And then his little crew where the guys spends his whole life playing video games, which somehow makes him able to land this yeah. big jet at the end yeah. of the movie. Uh, again, if you made it that far in the movie, I guess high fives all around. But yeah. I didn't find that character believable. Uh, and uh, his the character seemed to be yelling, like me, like me, like me. And for some reason that was making me not like him. Yeah. <laughs> It's unfortunate because I sound like this total big saying it, but uh, yeah, uh, with the exception of Sam Jackson, all of those all those characters yeah. really bothered me. And uh, well, you can't really say that there was much character development in well, this again, movie at all. Uh, I guess the, I shouldn't just limit it to the African American. I liked Lynn Shea and I liked uh, David Koechner, but uh, yeah. Juliana Margulies is like the main character, and I could tell you nothing about her. Yeah. <laughs> you, you oh, know. except that yes, this was shot before she started The Good Wife, and. Her character was quitting to become a lawyer. What? It's the same oh, character? Oh, I know! This movie just got better. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's um, funny. You know what? I'm not going to tell anyone that they shouldn't see Snakes on a Plane. Uh, I mean, it delivers the promise of the title. Mm-hmm. I would argue that it's longer than it needs to be. Oh, uh, yeah. I think it's like an hour and 40 or 45 minutes, where 80 probably would have done it nicely. Yes. Um... I think I might be a little bit harder on it because I, I think I wanted to like it more when I first got it. Like, I was like, uh, yeah, this movie should be stupidly amazing, you know? Yeah. And it it was stupidly all right. That's really funny because I actually liked it more than I thought I would going into it. Right. I thought it was going to be one of those, like, I have no patience for that glib kind of... Just stupid comedy. Right. I had no patience for those kinds. Right. But I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Well, and again, just know what you're getting into. Just know what you're getting into. Yeah. I would have preferred, like I said, that they picked an alley. Because one scene they're serious, the next scene they're stupid doesn't necessarily yeah. work with me. If every scene was serious or every scene was stupid, uh, at least I would have understood more where they were going for. But uh, 
It's critic proof. It's like yeah. it's like another Halloween or Friday the Thirteenth movie. People were going to watch this movie whether it was good or not. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. by all means, give it its day in court. Just and I'm because not of saying the it's, motherfucking uh, snakes on the motherfucking plane indeed. line. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's like an F, an utter debacle, failure, no. terrible. Uh, I'm like I'm giving it like a fifty percent. Like a just just skating by. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, Interesting. But uh, no, no, for me. It's not my kind of animals eating people movie. No, generally not mine either. Um, and again, from a science bent, so many inconsistencies. <laughs> um, and it, jumping to the end of the movie, they should have stopped it before they went surfing. I'm sorry, <laughs> that like plummeted the movie for me. <laughs> really, really, they should have not done that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, and especially, uh, yeah, the kid being protected. Say, or what did he say? What did you say to me when I first met you? Yeah. What did you say? Stick with me and stay alive. Exactly. They also both got dates out of this horrible experience. They did. Uh, that he they got did. the number of the cute uh, the stewardess, stewardess and yeah. uh, Sam Jackson. You got the feeling like he was going to hook up with uh, Juliana. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Exactly. In, in the end, they're all better people. Except for us for watching it. Exactly. <laughs> yep. animals attack yes. here it comes uh i guess the, the beans have been spilled and you're not gonna you're not gonna be the winner in the 33rd <laughs> episode of rank and review but i'm still the only champion but you're so still that's the reigning champion and, and uh, I, I i love you for doing it thank you so much um and i and as much as we may not agree on all these films i don't think we're yeah. having any big scraps so. <laughs> <laughs> although i did think that we would agree i'm oh, really? surprised oh, yeah okay hmm. well uh let, let me let have it bring it on all right um, mostly because of the fact that I found it highly unmemorable was Rogue. Wow, okay. Um, this is my bottom. Okay, I, number six. Yeah, I, I don't know why, perhaps it's been, because it's been a while that I've, since I've seen it, or, I, yeah, I really, I didn't remember much about seeing the movie right after I saw it either. Okay. So for that reason, I ranked it, it on did the bottom. Not stick with you. It did not. Uh, next was Burning Bright, and I I don't really have a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> Something for, had to be in fifth. <laughs> Something had to be in fifth, and yeah, Burning Bright is where it is. Um, yeah, that's okay. pretty much that's all, all I'm gonna say got. on Burning Bright. It is what it is. It, it, yeah, it wasn't a super catcher one. The same with the first one, I guess. It was. It wasn't really that memorable for me. So, um, fourth. Fourth position. Is snakes on a plane. Snakes on a motherfucking plane. Snakes on a motherfucking plane. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, yeah. Which, um, Larry, you said earlier that you got this um, out of country. Yeah, my friend Lee sent it to me from overseas. There you go. He likes to send me bad horror movies because he's go. my boy. <laughs> and on the cover, it does say um, Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> and it also does say, if you don't see this, you hate America. 
Well, I have seen it. Which is kind of awesome. Clearly <laughs> but not. yes, I do have a very nice DVD of edition of Snakes on a Plane. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, like I said, I was expecting this to rank further down on the list. Right. Um, but I did enjoy it more than I thought I would, which was a pleasant surprise. Nice. And however, it is ranked so low because I do agree with you that they couldn't really decide between serious and comedy. Next uh, is The Birds. Nice. Um, a lot of really good points about The Birds, and I still recommend seeing this movie. Um, it is a classic after all. <laughs> um, yeah, the acting bothered me, but some of the bird stalking scenes were actually really frightening. Yeah. And the I can see- The concept is creepy. The concept is fantastic, yeah. Seriously creepy. And um, one, Tippi Hedren as stalker woman. Yes. Um, bad on a couple points. Um, yes, her being a stalker. And she could be leading herself towards an evil dude. Right. You know, she, she knows has, nothing she about nothing this guy. About yeah. yeah. Okay, so that was uh, number, number three. three. Number two. Number two <laughs> is The Edge. Nice. Um. I would say despite the fact that Alec Baldwin is in it, but he actually did a really good job. He is solid, And I man. was depressed. Not depressed. <laughs> I was impressed with him. <laughs> or depressed seeing him actually do well and shattering my image. Um, yeah, I, you know, some bad points. Elle McPherson, she really shouldn't be acting in anything. She doesn't really done much before or since here. No, the... she was on Friends. Oh, good for her. Yeah, good for her. Great. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, if you like bear action and uh, seeing this particular famous bear, uh, yeah. Bart the bear kills it. Bart the bear. Not really a recommended, not really a not recommended, but it did resonate more, I guess. It stuck with you more than the rest of us. It, it did, yeah. And of course, number one is the gray. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that it caused uh, so much havoc for the wolf populations of the world. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really did like it. Um, really good acting in it. A lot of plausible reactions and actions. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they, the wolves really do look pretty killer. So. And the deaths are so felt in that movie. They Every really time are. somebody goes, you're like, oh, dude, that sucks. Seriously. And <laughs> the Walking Dead guy, Henry. Yeah. Um, seriously, brutal death scene. Yeah. Really felt that I want death. I to say Dallas Roberts. I think Dallas Roberts, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really fantastic death scene. Yeah. Brutal. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, brutal. Man, just done nothing wrong. You've done everything exactly, right. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, that's my ranking, which... Uh, I dare you to say otherwise. <laughs> well, I'm afraid I'm going to have to say a little bit otherwise. No. I think that there's oh. only really like uh, two that I think we're going to uh, quote unquote strongly disagree on. Okay, okay. Um, and one of which I guess is my sixth place one, yep. which is of course Snakes on a Plane. There you go. Um, and this is an is what it is movie. Yeah. It delivers on its promise of Snakes on a Plane. It Sam does. Jackson is a great leading man and he's got lots of, you know... Lots of charisma, and uh, you want to cheer for him, and you want him to protect this kid. But uh, yeah. I don't know. There's just too much, too much in the brew here. Okay, okay. Uh, so uh, something not to be at the bottom. There goes snakes on a plane. There you go. By all means, watch it. If you're in the mood to watch something dumb, <laughs> snake on the plane will fit the bill. We agreed that the fifth place 
goes to Burning Bright. Okay. Um, I think that I liked it more than you did. Yeah. Like, so to me, it sort of felt, like I said, like an episode of The Twilight Zone or just like a a piece of an anthology series that you'd be watching on TV. Like, it almost didn't feel like a movie. It felt like an episode of television. And yeah. uh, I consumed it as such, and it held my attention. And, okay. you know, it, it was all right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, in fourth place, I put The Birds. Birds. Controversially, <laughs> I guess. Um, I think that it, time has made this a little bit dog-eared. The strength really yeah. is the concept. Yeah. And those two scenes that I talked about, the, the diner scene that leads to the explosion and the real, the first full-scale attack of the birds, yeah. I think is great. And I just love, love, love the scene at the schoolhouse where leading up to it with all the birds landing on the monkey bars to the actual attack itself. Even though the special effects are greatly dated, I think it's yeah. quite a horrifying scene. It is. And yeah. uh, what it implies about what they're up against is is quite strong. Yeah. We didn't mention it in the in the uh, review either, but the school teacher character... Suzanne uh, Plachette. Suzanne Plachette. Uh, kind of kind of felt it when she died we yeah. didn't get we weren't privy to it we didn't see it happen but oh. we knew that she died heroically saving this little girl and that she died being pecked to death by birds pecked to death and unrequited unrealized in love with the guy that tippy hedron is stalking yeah she is kind of stalker to the sequel isn't she yeah. she yeah. moved to this town to be closer to the guy that she knew she couldn't be with exactly yeah <laughs> I guess 60s was a different time. A little bit different, yeah. <laughs> All the way in third position, oh, K2. Dude. I put Rogue. And for me, I think this just way over-exceeded my expectation of it. Yeah. That they spent that much time with the characters and that I didn't call bullshit on the decisions being made. Mm -hmm. And that even when people were being counterproductive, it didn't seem to service the plot. It seemed believable. Uh, the the father figure mm. who, who fucks up the rope bridge... You know, he did made a terrible decision there, but his wife was dying, and yeah. he knew it, and he just wanted to get his daughter out of this place. It is true. And he made a really, really selfish and horrible decision, but it wasn't it wasn't inexplicable. You know, okay. it didn't come out of the sky. He just didn't decide, I'm going to make it harder for us people who are already in this <laughs> terrible state. Uh, like I said in the review, the deeper into the movie, the the more we start to lose that reality that is established. Yeah. But I thought that it was good enough. That it, uh, it it stuck with me. Okay. I, I liked it. I liked okay. it. Um, and I would also this is probably one of my least favorite scenarios to be caught in of all of these uh, movies. I think number one would be the gray. That would be the worst scenario yeah. for me to be in. But that that shrinking island. Ugh. The, the, that ticking clock of the water closing in on you. The inevitability just, of death. Ugh, yeah, yeah, okay. We're agreed again on our number two. Look at us with the edge. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, I did have a few script issues with Mammoth, like I seem to usually do, but mm -hmm. I also sort of put that in the my... If, if I really like somebody, I'm almost more picky about it. Yeah. That's where I'm with Mammoth. Uh, okay. I, I, I do like Mammoth as a rule, so... When I can see him something so close to something really, really good and just yeah. a little bit mammoth here and there. You're a little too much mammoth. You need to dial back the mammoth, mammoth. That's nice. <laughs> um, especially, I find, when he directs them as well. Yeah. A lot of times if he writes a script and hands it out to someone else, it actually works out better than if he directs it himself, I okay. think. But that's me and my complicated relationship to playwright David Mammoth, who I never met. Uh, number one, and I think soundly out of this group yeah. of movies, is The Grey. Um, because, like I said, 
as it is a movie about people being eaten by wolves. It isn't yeah. when animals attack. It's a worthy entry of this genre, it but it aspires, I think, to be more than that. And yeah. the production value, there's nothing weak in it. All these other movies, I will say, I liked, but. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this movie, I liked, and I can't think of a real but to tell you. <laughs> like, can I? Uh, no. Like you said, maybe the, some of the wolf behaviors could be argued, but while I was watching the movie, I was totally in it. And uh, I didn't. Yeah. that didn't break the spell for me. Um, the, the, and like I said, the deaths in this movie was just <laughs> so, yeah. so horrible. There's a scene early in the movie where uh, Liam Neeson talks a guy through the experience of his death, his, his femoral artery has been cut and yeah. he's bleeding out rapidly. Sad. And Jesus. there was nothing they could do but yeah. basically talk him through it. Yeah. And as horrible as that scene was, that guy was probably granted the best death of the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, death is a very real thing. Like I said, yeah. and to me, that's what this movie is about. And um, I don't know if it's a optimistic or pessimistic, but it, yeah. it it's real. You know? Yeah. So, uh, big points to the gray. It surprised me. Yeah, um, me too, actually. I wasn't, uh, Liam From Neeson. the director of the A-Team? I did not see oh, this shit coming. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't have thought that. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, the gray, definitely good, solid movie. Highly, I would recommend that. I have recommended that, actually. We agreed it. We agreed yeah. it. See, we didn't agree on all these movies, no. but, but we agreed enough. <laughs> we agreed enough. Yes. Thank you so much, K2, for coming for round three. My pleasure. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to round four because I want to, like, beef up my champion title. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, if and you're make a sure no winner, one... You may have this forever. This exactly. might just be yours. <laughs> exactly. Well, until then, go. Yay. Be nice to the animals, kitties, and the animals will be nicer to you. So that puts episode 33 in the rearview mirror. Um, 33 episodes and still only one winner. And uh, K2, Karen Giese managing to hang on to her her role as, as our champion. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, you can get a hold of me at rankandreview at gmail.com. And I really would value some feedback. Um, feels good to know people are listening to the podcast and to be honest there has not been a lot of mail (laughs) um otherwise find the show on facebook find the show on itunes and tell that other movie nerd in your life about the podcast this is your host and random canadian larry parsons saying thank you so much for listening